Hi everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, you know who it is, and thank you for listening into a brand new episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, our weekly interview and also question and answer podcast. And on this week's show, we have a very special guest. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, if if everything I have down here is correct by going through uh, each one of them. Is that cool with you? That's fine. Okay. Uh, He is a food critic. That is correct. He is a YouTuber. Indeed. He is a shortwave radio enthusiast. Very true. He's a New England native. Indeed. He's a snappy dresser. You got it. And he's also an energy drink expert. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Report of the Week himself. Woo! <laughs> Thank you for coming on and... and uh, uh, making the time to be on this podcast and uh, and and kicking it off with uh, your your trademark sense of humor. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um. All right. So so for anybody who's not uh, familiar with your YouTube channel, uh, you you do quite a few things on there. But what you're most notoriously known for are a series of very dry, blunt, straightforward, and uh, kind of well mannered food reviews where you talk about a lot of. Uh, I guess uh, the latest fast food stuffs and also some things that kind of pop up in the freezer aisle. Uh, wh- when about did you start doing that on, on YouTube? All right. Now, I first started with the channel about four years ago in, in 2011. Um, mm. But that just started with, with energy drinks. And, you know, the channel now is, is known for the food reviews. So I, I first got the idea to do the food reviews in September of 2011. But I didn't really initiate anything until probably late December, early January of, of 2012. Uh, and from there, I, I just tried out, you know, I started reviewing McDonald's, took a little break, and I really kept the, the food reviews going for good, probably late 2012. So, so a lot of these energy drinks, a lot of this fast food that you're covering, I mean, it's it's pretty common, uh, a, a lot of the food, and it's very easy access for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people, even prior to even seeing a review of something that you've that you've uh, uh, that you're talking about, have probably eaten some of this food uh, themselves. Uh, you know, what what sort of draw you to drew you to feel as if you know you needed to just kind of express yourself on on this fast food. I mean, is it uh, in some kind of way to connect with fellow food fans or maybe uh maybe heighten the standards of the food that that you're reviewing in these videos and maybe kind of send a message to uh, uh some of the people selling this food that it could be of higher quality or maybe give them a a bit of a nod when they do end up doing something good right the reason why i first started branching out into the food reviews is because when you think about it you know energy drink reviews yeah a lot of people you know, they do drink energy drinks, but not everyone does. It targets a certain group of people. Whereas with food, you figure, all right, well, not everyone needs an energy drink to survive, but everyone's got to eat at some point or another. And a large number of people, at least in, you know, areas where they'd probably be watching YouTube videos, would have at least some sort of popular fast or frozen food here and there. Now, as for, you know, I'll try to review some new items when they come out. But at the same time, I used to review some classics like, you know, the Big Mac from McDonald's. Something that probably everyone's had or most people have had before watching that video already. But the reason why I did items such as that 
was number one for the very small percentage of people who said, I've never had a Big Mac. Let me see what Review Bra thinks about it first. And you know, I'm not saying that's everyone because I highly doubt it. But another reason is just to add another opinion to that. Someone might say, you know, I'm kind of noticing that we're going to pick on the Big Mac today. The Big Mac from McDonald's is kind of tasting, you know, maybe it tastes different nowadays. Let me look online and, and see what people have to say about it. And they'll look up and they'll see a sea of voices and it's just another voice to contribute and help people figure out, you know, if they have any questions or ideas or inquiries about any sort of, of item. So, so in a, in a sense, you kind of see yourself as doing a bit of a, uh, a service, like you're doing a bit of a watchdog thing for your, for your audience. Yeah, it could be. I could be the, you know, the figurative royal taster, you know, going ahead of, of everyone else and just, you know, taking a little, sticking a little toe in the water and just seeing, seeing how it is. And, you know, I'll try maybe some burger and, you know, if, if I end up, you know, rolling on the floor, throwing up after I eat it, you know, make sure I, ex- I express that to everyone that they wouldn't have to put themselves through that misery unwillingly. Well, if, if, if I'm correct, there's actually a review you had done in the past where you had mentioned uh, before you even walked into uh, wherever you were buying this food, there was some kid throwing up outside. Yeah, I think I do. Uh, I did remember that one. Yeah, and, and that didn't even serve as a warning to you. You just bravely walked in there anyway. Yeah, I, I just figured, you know, it, it is what it is, as I, I'll say from time to time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just said, hey, if, if he's throwing up, you know, if need be, I'll join the party. And, you know, hopefully it was a good <laughs> burger for the, the few, you know, minutes that was in my stomach before coming back out again. What well, kind of reviewing really common items like that, it, it, it can kind of serve as, I guess, a bit of a, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a place of reference for a lot of other people because someone can come along, see that review and say, okay, you know, I've eaten that. So I know where he's at taste wise because we've eaten that same thing. Yeah. You know, he didn't like it as much as me. He liked it more than me. So from there on in, I can kind of maybe use that same, I guess, a, a bit of a point of reference for when he's reviewing other things in the future. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, People can use it as a reference point. Also, uh, another another point of reference that I think uh, uh, is in your reviews, something that we've all had before that you reviewed recently, you uh, you did a water review. <laughs> yes, I did. Which is actually one of my favorite drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I did do a review of water. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually a side by side taste test. Oh, it was. It was a it was a full blown taste test. It was a it was as I called it a, a battle of the brands. It was a single brand, like it's a battle of the brand, and uh, set them up side by side. It was it was something I've actually kind of jokingly said I wanted to do since even 2011 when I was reviewing, uh, you know, just energy drinks. I was saying, you know, wouldn't that be something if if one day I just reviewed a glass of water? And there I sat. I figured, you know, let me go all out this time. You know, I, I was kind of feeling it. I kind of, I was kind of looking at this jug of water, and I said, you know. I don't know. I just, I got a feeling I kind of want to review this tonight. So I got another one, set them up, and uh, reviewed water. And, you know, if, if I ever get really short on, on ideas or, or things to review, I should, should just go out on a full-out water reviewing series. And, you know. Well, any any future water reviews, I would recommend, if, the, if there was one shortcoming about the review, I think it should have probably been a blind taste test. 
because yeah. I think I think you know the distilled water, the spring water. I think uh, maybe uh, some of your inherent bias toward the one water that you did pick might have seeped through just because you d- you didn't know you you knew which one you were drinking before you went into it. Yeah, but we'll we'll keep that for the next one. Please do, please do. Um, all right. So uh, aside from a. Uh, you know, these more common items where you know more people have tried them, so, you know, they can kind of be this point of reference for, for your audience. Yeah. Uh, what else drives you to try other newer fast food items? Uh, because there's a lot coming out every day, and I imagine there's a lot that you end up passing over. I mean, if there's one recently that was uh, introduced that I think I noticed you uh, that you haven't done a review of, uh, it's those uh, Taco Bell whatever delights that are kind of like they're like little munchkins and uh, uh, apparently they have Captain Crunch like Captain Crunch berries like sprinkled on the outside they look pretty horrifying Uh, so I don't totally blame you for avoiding them Uh, but you know I know you've reviewed Taco Bell items before so it kind of strikes me as something that that you might have touched down on or at least uh, have been aware of right the reason why you know, I, I, I'm kind of, I guess, selective in the things that I, I try out nowadays is I kind of plan things out. I mean, lately I've been able to greatly expand my horizon uh, to what I, I want to review by, by going out and doing these, you know, in-public reviews I've started putting up lately over the past month or so. Um, by doing that... Yeah, you've, been, you've been changing up the setting by uh, hopping up in the car. Yes, yeah, I've been uh, I've been, you know, doing some reviews in the car and I've also actually gone down to uh some different places and actually just sat at the table at that locale and reviewed mm. a product there. Um normally I used to just be confined to to what I would call it my my reviewing edifice, reviewing chamber as I historically call it. And in doing that, I kind of have to review things. All right. It's nearby, I can get it, I could bring it back and it's not going to be cold. But now branching out, I'm able to just expand the the horizon, really, Um, be able to try new things. But even then, when you have everything open like that, you still might wonder, all right, he was able to review, say, the Halloween Whopper from Burger King. You know, why... Which which I I am deathly afraid of that black bun. Yeah, it's... uh, It it is intimidating. It is intimidating. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you can say, he reviewed that. Why didn't he try out this Taco Bell thing? And the reason being is just because i got to have, the way I plan things out, you know, sometimes I'll take a break here, I'll take a break there. I'll devote a day to doing the, the VORW podcast, broadcast, YouTube video, whatever you'd like to call that. Um, and I'll have to plan everything out, not weeks in advance. Usually I'll just go week by week. I'll say, all right, you know, Thursday, I'm going to go out and review this. Saturday, I'm going to review this energy drink. And I'll kind of plan it out. And by the time I get all that done, an item which may have been relevant, you know, a few weeks ago, by the time it would come to review that, it may, may everyone may have already, you know, kind of tried that. And conflicting with what I said earlier about the items everyone's tried, this is focusing mostly for the newer items, the limited edition items. You know, the items that are going to be here for a few weeks, and then they're going to just go away. Mm. You know, because then if I try it, put the review up, and by the time it's up, it's already off the menu. You know, it would still be a video, but it wouldn't necessarily be informative. Because really, with the channel, what I want to do is 
both inform and entertain, um, to give people my thoughts, views, and opinions on a product that I'm reviewing, and hopefully make it mildly bearable to view at the same time. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, uh, uh, where exactly do you think the, uh, uh, the entertainment uh, factor comes in with your videos? Is it kind of in your demeanor? Is it in your uh, delivery and your bluntness? Um, kind of your dry sense of humor? Because uh, a lot of your videos, they don't necessarily uh, uh, work up to the same, I guess, uh, aesthetics of a lot of other popular YouTube videos. Yeah. I mean, most of your videos are in one take, and uh, it's, it's just a very intimate, uh, just kind of low-key setting. Uh, much of the time and uh, you know there's no bells and whistles or anything like that it's pretty much just you a lot of the time uh, you know trying the food in real time and uh, giving us the opinion that you're coming up with sort of on the fly yeah yeah I always uh, always film the review in just one take um, no real editing policy so if something happens I remember in one review I just spilled the glass of water everywhere I just got off camera cleaned it up and kept it rolling the whole time but I think the real thing that that I think is an entertainment aspect. I, I, I'd probably say two things, definitely, is what kind of appeal to people. Hmm. Number one, just the whole setting. You know, I I can't say how many other... I mean, there's got to be some. I know for a fact there's some. There has to be. But I wouldn't say there's a massive amount of individuals on YouTube wearing what many would consider their, you know, their, quote, Sunday best, to review a hamburger. So I think that whole scene and just the setting and the scenario and even just how it's filmed is one thing that might people might maybe scratch their heads and say, you know, what what is this? And kind of check it out. Investigate. So, so so you know right off the bat you're you're fully aware of just how I guess uh, I, I guess you could say to, to put it nicely, out of place you are in the modern era. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and and you're just kind of out there totally accepting it and, and yeah. thinking that, you know, as, as much as it is you, you realize that to your average person, it, it seems kind of odd and that it might attract them to the videos. Oh, yes. No, I know that I'm not, you know, not like the average Joe on the street, you know, I, and I know that. And, you know, I just, as I always say, I just do me, you know, I just embrace, you know, how I am, what I wear, you know, what I do. And, uh, you know, I just say I, I am what I am. I do what I do. And, and it is what it is. Um, it, while you do feel like that now, I'm sure that there probably is a point in time, maybe when your YouTube channel was first starting to gain traction, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you probably did, uh, you know, catch quite a bit of flack from uh, some online users oh, yeah. uh, who, you know, thought uh, that maybe how you dressed was dorky or however you want to put it. I'm sure that's probably one of the nicer ways to put it, I'm sure you've seen much, much worse oh, online and, and, and in your YouTube comments. So, I mean, you know, th this, this position, this feeling that you have now, I guess this kind of comfort that you have in your own skin, is this, uh, you know, always kind of how you felt or, you know, has been on YouTube kind of thickened your skin a little bit? You know, really, it thickened my skin a lot. I really, I guess, had the epiphany that, you know, I am how I am and I'm all right with it. I probably had that in, in early 2013 um, when, you know, the, the pan pizza review um, was posted on Reddit, was spreading to a few other websites. It kind of went viral in a sense, you know, it got, you know, 300,000 views in just a matter of days. 
And that's how the whole channel really blew up. It was a sudden, sudden explosion, you know, if you will. Just based off of that one review. Yeah, off that one review. And then it kind of spread around. And from there, then it just started growing. And uh, and that's where, where everything started. But before that, you know, I was operating for almost two years previous. Um, I only had about maybe 200 subscribers. So at that time, there weren't too many people commenting, too many people giving you criticism or constructive criticism or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, there weren't too many people doing that. So I was kind of just, before then, in my own little little world, kind of. I was just doing my own little thing. More, I guess I wasn't as, as self-aware, you know, as, as I am now. After that, seeing, you know, the the comments, it, it thickened my skin a lot. And it instead of saying, you know, look at what all these people are saying, I got to ditch the suits, I got to change my hairstyle, blah, blah, blah. I just accepted it. And I said, you know, I, I am how I am. And, and that's all there is to it. Well, well, you accepted it, but also, you know, it, it seems like it was um, a bit of an onslaught of, of negativity that you certainly worked through and you continued and you didn't allow it to stop you. But, oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, for, for a great deal of time, uh, up until very recently, uh, you weren't allowing comments on a lot mm -hmm. of your videos, oh, yeah, so no, mostly it, because it, of a, a, a lot of that negativity that pops up and just, you know, the general trolls and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But but uh, as I just said, your your policy on that has changed very recently. So, you know, what what has the change recently been um, that, that, you know, you're just kind of feeling like uh, I should allow comments, you know, because I know that you've uh, sort of interviewed your fans and asked your fans personally, uh, yep. you know, if they would like comments to be open. And, and, you know, they said yes, but, you know, that's kind of been a resounding opinion for a while. So, yep. you know, uh, something else had to have changed other than just, you know, your viewers wanted comments. Oh, yeah. It's, it's always been, you know, no denying that it was, it was difficult at times. You know, just having to to deal with all that, and the comments they were they were blocked almost from for probably about over two years before I finally unblocked them. And the reason I did that was because I number one in that two years I kind of you know learned a lot about the YouTube community. Um, in that time, I had time to kind of build up, you know, get a, a thicker skin. Um, realize that what the people are saying doesn't doesn't really, you know, if the negativity doesn't really matter. Um, and the most important thing that I would do to really get a, a grasp on where things would stand with the comments was probably every every five or six months when they were disabled, I would, on some random video that I would upload, maybe a review here and there, I, instead of blocking the comments, I'd leave them as... I guess approved, where it would look like comments were open. So people who saw the video would comment, but it wouldn't show up. Instead, it would go to, to filter, and I'd be able to see the comments and approve or, or not approve them. And in doing so, I wouldn't approve any of them, but I'd be able to read what the community would be saying as if I had comments open on this video. Sure. That would give me good feedback on where things stood. You know, if it was if it was tons of people saying, you know, you know, F you, blah, 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 I might have still scratched my head and I might have said, you know, well, do I really want to have this up? Or if it was, you know, some good feedback, some criticism, there's, there's always going to be some criticism and, and the haters, as some call them. Um, there's always going to be that online. But if it's, you know, kind of like a balanced, balanced percentage for each, um, that would make me think otherwise. 
And mm-hmm. over time, I began seeing that kind of change, where it was more people who were just genuinely interested in the reviews, um, just enjoying the videos, you know, giving feedback, suggestions for what could be reviewed. Um, and overall, I began to see kind of a, a change in how that was. And I began thinking, and I also felt like, you know, the I guess I had the VORW show where I would read fan mail and respond to it, but some people aren't willing to sit through, you know, a, a 50-minute video to to hear their letter responded to, you know. Sure. And I thought, you know, having the comments enabled with the, with seeing how the community was changing um, would also be a nicer way to be able to connect with the community, let subscribers and viewers interact directly with each other, give suggestions directly to me without having to go through a hassle of, you know, an email or a YouTube message. And it would allow me to directly respond to them. So over time, and after having built up a a thicker skin, I finally came to the decision in probably August of of 2015, where I said, you know, I'm going to put comments up on a few reviews. I did that, and it was overwhelmingly positive. And I thought, well, after that, didn't really make, you know, didn't publicize that I was bringing back the comments. I just did it spur of the moment. I thought, you know, now I'm just going to see how people feel about it, if people support the decision. And I, when I made that poll, I, I already pretty much figured what the, the majority was going to be. But I wanted to see the ratio between the people who fully wanted the comments back, the people who wanted them kind of approved, or the people who didn't want them back. And there was a great turnout, and obviously the overwhelming majority uh, wanted the comments back. And and back they are, and, you know, I, I'll check the comments out, you know, I, I look at them, but it's it's nowhere near nowhere near as bad. Or, or maybe that's the wrong way of saying it. Maybe it's just my skin is thicker now, and what I might have perceived as insults back in the day, you know, 2013 or so, now I just kind of... I'm able to immediately discard that as just trolling and, you know, and, and so forth. Well, also, you know, once you hear certain insults over and over and over and oh, over yeah, again. It just doesn't uh, have the it, same effect anymore. It's like, yeah, all right. It doesn't. And it, it kind of gets old. And, and, and after a while, the insults kind of become a form of entertainment. And it's like, God, that's all you could come up with? Yeah, like, exactly. You know, I've, I've, like, heard oh, yeah, I've heard that one a hundred times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like, yeah, you're used to it. You know, no big deal. Sure, sure, sure. So, so despite this hate, despite the trolls, despite, you know, this influx of viewers on that one particular video that kind of blew your channel up in a sense and, and maybe brought a lot of negativity for a, a short amount of time, this yeah. wave of negativity in the midst of all of that, uh, you did manage to grow what seems like a pretty passionate fan base. I mean, when you did allow comments again, I mean, uh, uh, I noticed on those first initial videos where you started uh, allowing comments, uh, it seemed like, <laughs> and, and I don't know if you were moderating them, please, you know, let me know. But it's, it seems like, uh, uh, everybody in the comments was on their best behavior and, uh, uh, anybody who was saying something slightly negative, you know, it's like, Hey, shut up. You know, we got comments again, just, <laughs> you know, cut the, cut the crap. Yeah. You want him to take comments away? You know, um, it, it seemed like, uh, you know, not only that, but it seemed like everybody was really encouraging and appreciative and, uh, 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 you know, really happy. Not only that you allowed comments, but you know, uh, it's, it seemed like they just wanted to genuinely express, uh, uh, their enjoyment for, uh, for what you do. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so, 
the comments really I was actually taken back by how you know how positive it was too and you know it could be you know people just as you say just trying to be on their best behavior but even even still you know on, on reviews you know on reviews that I uploaded last night and and so on after comments have been back for well over a month now they're still overwhelmingly good you know now some of the mm. some trolls or whatever might come out now you know when they see our comments are back for good um but even still, you know, they're still overwhelmingly good, and I think a lot of people are just happy and, and excited to have the comments back. You know, some people might have found out about the channel in May of 2013, and all they knew, really, were just no comments, no comments. You know, and, and to finally have that freedom to be able to just express their their views, their thoughts, their own comments, hence the name. Uh, I think really is that a lot of people just like that, they're happy about that. And, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really moderate the comments, you know, every here and here and there, I might, you know, take one thing down, but it's not like I, I scrutinize every word of every comment and, you know, all right, let me take, you know, 10 out of the 20 comments that are up down, because I don't like this, you know, most of the time I just let the stuff stay up and I figure it's a community and, and, you know, they can, they can say what they want. Uh, and, and kind of speaking of that community and, and the, and the positivity amongst uh, the people who really, do enjoy what you do. I mean, it seems like uh, uh, there are some people, and I've noticed this uh, from some of whom have taken the time to uh, to write you uh, in email form or in a YouTube message form on your uh, VORW shows. It's It seems like with some people who watch what you do, uh, they are enjoying it and they are getting some kind of gratification out of it beyond just simply getting an opinion out of you. I mean, it seems like uh, th there are some people who similarly like you are kind of old souls in a sense and, uh, you know, watch what you do and are like, wow, you know, this guy uh, likes to dress in a way similar to me. Or you even have kids who are emailing you asking you for uh, <laughs> for fashion advice. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm not really, uh, I'm not super fashionable in, in 2015 terms. You know, I don't have whatever that haircut is where they, they shave the sides and back of their, their head off and then flip the top back. I don't have that, that haircut. And the suits I wear are an older style, but still people, you know, not everyone is, is interested in completely, you know, slim fit clothing and, and certain extremely modern styles. Um, so some people will come to me for, for fashion advice. And a lot of people... As you, as you, you know, really brought on, um, a lot of people just are interested in the channel, not just from, you know, an opinion perspective, not just to check out the videos to see what I want to say about this burger because they were interested in, in trying that out. Um, but some people just watch it because perhaps they just enjoy the, the setting or, you know, maybe they just enjoy the, the videos themselves. You know, they, they're just legitimate fans. They'll just watch the content or listen to the VORW uh, just because they have maybe something or other that they, they like about the channel itself, be it. Well, it's, I mean, it or, seems like they're connecting with you on some kind of a, a personal or ideological level. You oh know, yes. As yeah. If, yeah um, I imagine there's some uh, people who, you know, be able to relate maybe to what I, what I say in the VORW shows or sure. even just in a simple tutorial level, you know, on on how I dress, you know, I might say, Hey, you know, I, I wear suits all the time too. I never, never thought, you know, anyone else really did this so seriously. You know, some people will be able to connect on that level too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and 
it seems like, especially in 2015, you know, the style of dress that you uh, indulge in, uh, I imagine it would be just a lot of extra work to kind of maintain. Yeah, really. um, Right now, it's just because of of how long I've been been doing this. You know, some people will will say to me, you know, you can't be serious about, you know, wearing a, a suit all the time. You know, this is just like a, a costume for the videos, right? And I'll say, no, you know, it's it's how I dress every day. I mean, as I speak right now, I'm I'm going with a, you know, a vest and tie set, you know, right now. But uh, really, because I've been I've been dressing this way probably consistently for the past seven years now. Because I've been doing that for so long, it's just more of like something that I'm used to. It's not really. I sit there at the closet, you know, in a, in a thinking position, staring at this rack of suits for, for 30 minutes, thinking, hmm, what suit am I going to wear today? You know, it's not really like that for me. I, I usually spur the moment, though. I think, you know, it's maybe a chilly day, so I'm going to grab this gray suit, standard white shirt, and maybe a, a grayish-black tie to go with that. You know, it's, it's just, just kind of the become moment. second I, nature. It's become second nature, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's always... It's always just, I guess you'd say, and I use this comparison sometimes, a lot of the times you could think of it, the amount of thought that someone puts into picking out a T-shirt and jeans to wear is is not too much thought usually. It's not like grab the pair of jeans, grab this T-shirt, and I'm out of here. That's kind of like the same thing with me, where I'll just grab the suit, grab the shirt, grab the tie, and I'm out of here too. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's... uh... Not only with the, your style of dress, but I think uh, uh, also um, uh, your your accent, which I'm very familiar with because I've grown up in New England as well. Uh, you know, just also your 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 manners, uh, as well as you know your love of shortwave radio. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people would kind of characterize you as old-fashioned. However, you know, the fast food reviews, the energy drink uh, reviews, you know, I, I know that you've, uh, uh, in some videos, uh, talked uh, and give, given your opinions on uh, newer episodes of The Walking Dead. Uh, I understand that you, you may be a gamer as well. It kind of seems like you have one foot in the old world, but one foot in the new world as well. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I definitely have many uh, likes and interests that would reflect to a, a, a previous era. You know, probably the way I, my accent, as you said, my interest for shortwave radio, um, the way I dress. So all of that really does reflect on, you know, an earlier time. At the same time, though, you know, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead, all the fast food. So it's definitely a contrast, really, between, say, the, the early to mid-1900s and 2015, and I think the result is it's a very interesting combination, and that might be another thing that's very interesting to some people, to see this this kind of clash, you know. Some people would say you look like a time traveler from 1930 that that popped (laughs) up in 2015, and and here you are. Uh, So, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, would you say that uh, your affinity for this older era is so strong that, you know, if if you could be a time traveler, you you'd go back and do it? Or, you know, do you do you enjoy the uh, uh, the amenities of a newer technology too much? I mean, is 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 right now the the era you'd you'd rather be living in? You know, if I if I had the ability, I'd probably go. I'd probably go back in time, maybe for for a period of time. I wouldn't say I'd, 
I'd go back there and just be stuck forever. Because I think if I was transported right now back back in time, I'd probably I'd you know I'd, I'd miss the internet. I'd probably go through you know internet withdrawal and you know. So I think I think the combination I think it would be interesting to go back and you know see how I would cope and deal in that in that type of world and in that era. But hey, they had food reviews back then too. <laughs> You'd probably just have to get a job at the local paper, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, so right now, really, it is an interesting combination because I can still do the things that I enjoy that would strike people as being from a previous era, i.e., shortwave listening and, and shortwave radio. That's still around, even as it was around, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty years ago. Um, that's still around today, and I can still enjoy that today. So right now, I've been able to find a good balance for myself where I could enjoy the things that may not be as popular as they were back then. I could still enjoy those things now, and I can still enjoy, you know, the, the amenities of, of 2015. Um, to hop into another uh, uh, interest of yours, just because, I mean, you were just talking about a shortwave radio. Yeah. Um, I have a background in radio myself, but, you know, more AM, FM. Uh, I'm very unfamiliar with the shortwave band. And uh, can you maybe give us a little bit of, a, a, you know, a, a very short rundown of exactly, you know, somebody ha how someone listens to the, to the shortwave and, uh, you know, what kind of programming people can find on it? Sure. Now, shortwave radio lies between where AM, the AM band ends, and where the FM band begins. There's a space between that. And part of that there, space... There, so there's a big space between the AM and the FM band. That, oh, yeah, there is. That, you know, FM that begins, most people aren't even aware of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a massive space between that. And it's not like there's nothingness between there. There is other frequencies between there. So oh. from where AM ends at, at 1,700 kilohertz, all the way until 30,000 kilohertz is where shortwave is. And shortwave... You can consider it kind of like AM radio, but it's used for many purposes. It still uses that standard analog quality, um, nothing really mm. digital, no digital radio really on shortwave. Mm. The difference between really what the difference between shortwave radio and AM radio is the distance that the broadcasts travel. Right, mm. standard AM transmitter, say a high-powered one, might be able to cover, say from New York City, maybe at night it'll be able to cover some of New England, some of the Mid-Atlantic, but that's about it. Hmm. Whereas a shortwave transmitter from, say, New York City, you'd be able, with a given amount of power for the transmitter, you'd be able to broadcast all the way to Africa, Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and so on. And someone with a, a certain receiver in those parts of the globe would be able to pick up your broadcast crystal clear. So, that's so with really... the same amount of power, so with the same amount of power... Someone on a shortwave band gets greater distance than someone on an AM band? Yep. So let's say there is an AM transmitter with 50 kilowatts. That's 50,000 watts. A shortwave transmitter with that same power, 50,000 watts, would be able to probably span a good amount of the globe, given the right antenna and other variables. But yes, with the same, same power of each, shortwave has a, a lot greater of a reach. Now, as for the content, say you did have a shortwave receiver, which you can buy online, I'm I doubt you could really go into a store nowadays and, and find one. Um, hmm. Maybe back when Radio Shack was doing good, maybe. But if you did have a receiver, what would you be able to hear? 
you have the good and the bad. There's a lot of, you know, very, very, you know, extreme religious people who use shortwave, and some of that can be, you know, entertaining to hear. At the same time, though, there's also international broadcasters. The BBC, they have the BBC World Service. They broadcast on shortwave also, and in the afternoons you can hear a broadcast from them. So you'll be able to hear news. You can actually hear music programs. This one station run by the U.S. government called The Voice of America usually plays a lot of top 40 hit music at times. Um, there's stations from China. You could even hear North Korean propaganda. And there's a lot of other programs in different languages. Um, sometimes the BBC and this one station out of Australia will cover, you know, soccer games. So it has a good variety. A lot of stuff that you might find on AM radio, some stuff that you wouldn't find on it. And it all really comes together on shortwave where it targets probably more of an international audience than a local or regional or even national audience. And for that, even though there aren't too many shortwave listeners around, there's still at least probably hundreds of millions of shortwave listeners across the globe. So there's still a viable audience for this platform. And a lot of so this this isn't necessarily a medium that's like in danger of disappearing tomorrow. No, no, not yet. A lot of governments actually still invest in shortwave um, and broadcast different programs in in different languages. Um, in some places of the globe, especially third world countries, shortwave radio is not necessarily listened to for pleasure, but it's vital for even survival and you know. To, for people to just get their news, potentially life-saving information in places where there's limited infrastructure. Internet might not yet fully be there or very unstable. Television is not doing the greatest yet. Uh, shortwave radio has the ability to reach those places and provide people with information that they may desperately need. Okay. And, and am I to understand that sort of maintaining or building a shortwave transmitter might be easier or cheaper cheaper than than maintaining an AM or an FM transmitter because uh, I I know that you uh have been trying to pursue doing your own uh shortwave radio program yourself. Yeah, the, but the thing with transmitters is you need a, a sustainable amount of power. So if you had, hmm. you know, enough money to start an AM station, you could probably start a shortwave one too, but you know, if you had $500 in your pocket, you really wouldn't be able to start your own station. And a lot of stations understand that there's some people who might want to get on the air, but don't have the money to build their own station. So they'll actually broker airtime out. And they'll say, we're charging such and such amount of dollars for an hour of broadcast. Just name what frequency you want to use, what area of the globe you want to target, and we'll hook you up. So you'll be able to have, you'll be able to be on the air without actually having to build your own station. And I was actually able to do that. Uh, earlier this year, I was able to, to get in touch with this shortwave station out of Maine called WBCQ, and they had a great deal for just $20 an hour. I was able to buy airtime and actually get a, a variant of my VORW show on the air, and it was heard across the globe, across the North American continent, and it even made it across the Atlantic Ocean, and there were a lot of listeners in the UK also. But, so did you just sort of hand them an audio file and they broadcast the audio file? Yep, I just uh, made an audio file, you know, talked for a little bit, played some music, uh, and then I was able to just put that up on, on their Dropbox, and uh, from there the people at the station just took care of it, 
hooked it up to the transmitter and, and just got it sent back to the world. So you can kind of pick where you sort of want it sent and, you know, it, it can go in a very broad, very wide, very far reaching direction. Uh, am, am I to understand that, uh, as a result, uh, is shortwave radio just not, I guess, regulated in the same way that the AM and the FM bands are, uh, you yeah. know, not only when it comes to broadcast range, but, but, uh, p- playing music as well, you know, because my time in radio, I do understand that there are quite a few regulations, uh, yep. not only in relation to broadcast, but you know, what music you're playing and, you know, the BMI and having to pay certain fees to license the music that you're yep. playing. Yeah, shortwave radio is uh, almost un- completely unregulated by the FCC um, due to the fact that, number one, just the amount of, of space, that is the amount of frequencies they might have to monitor, and number two, it's not just domestically, but they'd have signals coming in from all around the globe. It would just be the sheer volume of things they would have to deal with and look at and examine that, for the most part, the FCC has really backed off on shortwave. I mean, as a matter of fact, there is probably several hundred shortwave pirate stations in the U.S., which don't have a permit to broadcast, but they'll just transmit anyways. So with that being said, the FCC really does not regulate uh, shortwave whatsoever, and it really is the epitome of free speech. You know, really, you can probably on the air say and do what you want, and there would be little to no consequence of of that. And... uh, uh... So with your broadcast uh, and, and the broadcast of any shortwave station reaching so far and wide and with the FCC not kind of regulating, you know, which station is taking up which space, is there ever a lot of, I guess, a, a overlap or a lot of radio interference uh, in relation to some of these programs? Sometimes there is, especially uh, during the, the peak broadcasting times for a certain area, say like in the, the early to mid-evening hours of, of North America, that's when a lot of stations will target the U.S. and Canada and try to broadcast there. And at times, sometimes they'll accidentally broadcast on the same frequency and they'll kind of overlap on each other. But at the same time, to try to coordinate that so it's not just a, a total mess, you know, the whole time. What they'll try to do sometimes is some of the stations will be in contact with each other. So one owner might send the other an email and they'll, they'll be able to coordinate schedules and publish them. And in the end, it'll usually work itself out, but at times it can be confusing. But they usually work work themselves out because usually if there is ever a clash between two stations and they're broadcasting on top of each other, usually one of them will realize it and they'll say, you know, gosh, no one can hear what we're saying. We'll move over here. And they'll publicize that and they usually sort things out pretty quickly if there's ever a conflict. Hmm. And... uh, uh... So as a shortwave enthusiast, uh, you know, not only are you dabbling in trying to create some of the programming uh, on this band, but also, uh, uh, you know, as someone who is a listener and a fan of shortwave, uh, you know, are you merely just kind of sitting back and listening to the programs and stopping whenever you find something you like? Or are you constantly just... Uh, I guess, exploring through the whole shortwave band at particular hours of the day and just trying to, like, document uh, what programs are happening, where they're coming from, what people are saying? I'll do a combination of of all three. You know, a lot of the times I'll find a program that I like and I'll stop and I'll listen to it for a while. And if it catches my interest, I'll keep listening. If not, I'll keep tuning. Usually what I first do is I scan through the, the range of frequencies I want to listen to at that time. 
and I'll just do a brief run through, see what's there, and then after that, look in closer detail at anything that that caught my eye, and then maybe listen for the duration of the program if I find something good. Uh, one thing that I can do with shortwave, which which I like, is, and this is also an incentive that some stations will use in order to kind of find out how many people are listening to them. If you write them what they call a reception report, they'll give an email address. You'll send them an email. You'll send them an email. You'll say, you know, I was listening in, you know, in New York with this receiver. I heard you between five and six p.m. You were coming in good. And you send them an email with this information. Number one, they'll get a good idea of from the amount of emails they get how many people might be listening, um, especially in, in Western nations or media-rich nations with the internet readily available. But in return, if you were able to provide your contact information and address, they'll usually be able to send you some freebies from the station, um, kind of as a little token for writing in. And the most well-known thing that some stations will send, they call this a, a QSL card. It's kind of like a little decorative postcard from the station confirming that, you know, you listened. And, you know, is as it may sound, you might say, well, why would someone want to collect these pieces of paper from these stations? You know, you could say the same thing. You know, why do people collect baseball cards sometimes? Sure. It's kind of like uh, collecting license plates or something. Yeah, exactly that. So I collect those, and I'll write to the stations, and, you know, I'll see how many I can get, and I have them in a binder and everything. So, you know, I do have a collection of those going, too. So that's just another little incentive to for me personally to keep listening. That's really fantastic. Um You've been very open uh, uh, about, you know, your opinions and your personal interests on your YouTube channel. Uh, but are there any other interests uh, that, you know, you feel incredibly passionate about that you would feel <clears throat> comfortable sharing that, you know, you haven't quite broadcast on your your YouTube channel yet? Um uh, you know, not that we're expecting you to make a, a future uh, segment out of anything, but I guess, uh, are there any kind of pursuits or passions that you have both new or old school, um, you know, that sort of haven't made it onto your YouTube channel yet? You know, thinking about that, most of the time I am very open with my interests and my passions on YouTube. One thing that I really don't talk about too much on YouTube, and again, a lot of the time because of, of YouTube's own you know, regulations and, and copyright and everything, is music. Um, hmm. I do listen Oh, hey, to, I'm a big fan of that, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're the, you're the go-to music guy, really. <laughs> you are. You're the, you're the leading authority on, uh, on the latest music. But really, that's one thing I don't talk about too much, in, in too much detail, on YouTube. Because really, when you, when you talk about music, you know... Number one, you got to know what you're talking about. You got to be a professional about it, as you are. Uh, number two, some people might want to, you know, hear the music, and sometimes YouTube can be a real pain about that. Sure. But that's one thing that I really do. I, I am an, an avid music listener. Um, I always mm. have have something going music-wise if I'm not listening to to the shortwave, and that's something I don't really talk about too much. Um, I really don't. I don't really talk about you know what my favorite musical genres are or what songs I heard. You know, I don't really go on about that, but it's something that still does, you know, interest me very much. 
Well, uh, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people listening to this uh, podcast on this YouTube channel are big music fans as well. Uh, what albums or artists have you uh, seen yourself uh, listening to repeated lately? You know, my favorite genre of music is probably popular music and, and rock music, maybe some alternative and punk too, from the late mm -hmm. 90s, early 2000s. So... Mm -hmm. I'd probably say what I what I catch myself listening to a lot is Oasis. Um, sure. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a big Oasis fan, uh, and I listen to some other of those uh, those classic groups from the from the era. You know, Third Eye Blind. Then of course I'll go back to the you know the early '90s. Um, you know, Nirvana, and, and even I'll listen to some classic rock too. Some of those groups are very very talented. Um, that's really what I what I listen to the most. Um, I have this this whole mental playlist of all the the songs, whatever I'm feeling at the time. Um, sure. And I'll usually listen to one, and then after that, I'll see if I'm what else I'm feeling, and I usually do that. And by the by the end of the day, I'll I'll find I've listened to you know twenty songs or or more, you know. Uh, it's uh it's pretty interesting. Not only that you bring up that era, and I recently uh did a classic review that will be coming out uh, during a future classic review segment of uh, Nirvana's In Utero, uh, which is one of their most intense records, an album that I really like, but also talking about Third Eye Blind. Uh, it's funny because I had that debut album of theirs when it originally came out. And when that album dropped, I mean, it was really an era of CDs, you know, when cassettes were kind of on the way out. Yep. And uh, right now, and I don't know if this is something you have any interest in, uh, you know, maybe you're, uh, maybe this is a part of uh, more of your modern tastes, uh, you know, and, and I use CDs and MP3s as well. But, you know, now we're in the midst of, a, I guess, a bit of a vinyl revolution or something, um, you know, and apparently the vinyl market has grown uh, just as big as the digital music market uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, and I was in a record store the other day and I had seen that debut Third Eye Blind record reissued on vinyl, which, you know, to me was just kind of. I don't know, sort of, sort of ridiculous. I mean, I like vinyl, and I think vinyl records are great, and I think uh, you know a lot of great music uh, that was put out back in the day. That's really kind of the uh, uh, the medium to hear it on. Just as I think there are some records that you know they were mixed and they were mastered to sound the best on cassette. So if you could run across them on a on a fresh, you know, not warped cassette, uh, they probably sound great on it. Uh, but to sort of you know rethink third eye blind is just you know being put on a vinyl record is kind of crazy to me it's sort of interesting how uh, uh today you know in this very modern this very digital era it seems like we're more obsessed with uh, the older world than we ever have been and and in that respect you know while you may feel out of place in some respects with your suits and and all of that i mean in other ways you're you're really not uh that out of place oh that's very true i mean you know, I remember even back in, in 2012 when when vinyl records were really starting to become quite popular again. You know, people were going on about how they were getting this, how they were getting that. And uh, even when I was, I was looking up a few days ago, actually, some some popular songs, and, and there they were, you know, on vinyl. And, you know, just when you think about that, it's, it's not the kind of music that you would imagine being on a record, you know. Absolutely. So it's just very interesting to see. You know, a lot of people still, when they think of vinyl, they might think of, you know, some, even, you know, the Beatles, classic, you know, classic rock, even classic pop music, and 
even going way back to swing music, you know, they'll think of that as on a record and not, you know, hearing Third Eye Blind or, you know, even in the present day, hearing, you know, Pitbull on, on vinyl, you know. <laughs> oh, God, that's probably somewhere. Oh, yeah. There's probably a Pitbull vinyl somewhere. <laughs> yeah, gotta be. Well, I mean, uh, aside from music, I know that uh, another thing that you've just kind of broadcast recently on your YouTube channel, uh, uh, I guess you're somewhat passionate about traveling, or at least you had done some traveling recently, um, uh, you know, and, and had tried some different fast food places or uh, some different restaurants, uh, maybe on future trips or in future reviews, you know, have you kind of any interest in uh, uh, maybe sort of covering uh, some smaller eating spots or uh, or anything like that? You know, people have always suggested to me, they'll say, you know, you always review bigger brands. I would like to see you review maybe some local places, some, some smaller places. And I think, you know, in my, in my, you know, food repertoire, I do know of many local establishments with, which do have great food, and, you know, it would be great to review. But the reason why I'm always, always hesitant on reviewing more local, smaller places is just because I try to find how applicable they might be to a wider audience, to a, a nationwide audience. And if there is, you know, a, a more local place, just one restaurant, but say, you know, it's been talked about on on television, you know, say, you know, Guy Fieri went there on Food Network or it was mentioned on the Travel Channel, and people kind of know about it. You know, it kind of has almost an iconic type of following. That I might review one day if I'm ever out traveling and I see this diner, let's say, you know, I might review that, but say it's just like some mom and pop, you know, pizza place. I wouldn't necessarily give that a review just based on how applicable it might be. You know, I can go and talk for, for 10 minutes about how good their pizza might be. But in the end, while people might still watch it, how many people would really be influenced about it? You know, maybe three or four who might be in the, the general area and can probably go there regularly. But chances are there's not going to be a mass you know, a mass pilgrimage to this pizza place just because I said they have a good pepperoni slice. You know? I don't know, man. It might, it might be, I, it might be an experiment worth trying, you well, know? Yeah, but, one day it I might mean, just be not, worth it, worth a shot, you know, just to see, hey, if I, if I review this pizza place, you know, what would happen? Just sort of, just sort of toss one in there every once in a while and just kind of see what the reaction is. And, and also, you know, you could end up in there the next week and, uh, maybe, the, maybe the people who run the restaurant have seen your review and, and they either love it and, and they give you a free pizza or they hate you and they kick you out and you're not allowed in anymore. <laughs> no, you bring up a good point. You know, you, you never know until you try, really. It, it could make life for you locally really, really interesting and exciting to, to start reviewing, uh, the, the, the fast food places and the, uh, the restaurant sort of places, uh, that are immediately near you of which, you know, I, I know being in new England myself, I mean, there's a ton of, uh, small mom and pop places everywhere in every yep. direction of, you know, selling all kinds of, of food. I mean, it seems like there's new restaurants kind of cropping up everywhere every day oh, yeah. uh, around, around here. Yeah, I can say the same. But yeah, maybe maybe um, one day I'll just throw that into the mix and see what happens. Please do. I'll watch it. And uh, to, to sort of end things off, uh, I, I wanted to ask you um, to finish sort of right now. You know, what are, what are your plans for the future in terms of you know you know your 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 personal life, your your work, um, and and even your YouTube channel? I mean, as as far as uh, your five year plan goes, I guess you know, are you uh, 
focusing on continuing to be a YouTuber? I mean, I, I noticed recently you've also started monetizing on your videos, I believe, which I don't, I don't think uh, you had done for a great deal of the channel's existence. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, you know, are you trying to go, uh, uh, you know, full time with the YouTube channel and sort of take it to the next level or, you know, do your, do your work ambitions kind of sit outside of YouTube? And definitely right now, what I see is definitely going to be focusing on the channel, um, a lot more, you know, one of the reasons why I did, I guess, monetize is to, to keep that sustainable, to be able to get enough to keep the channel moving, keep things flowing. Um, you know, acquiring number one for transportation, number two for just keeping things going, maybe upgrades here or there. Um, being able to increase the frequency of the reviews too, but definitely going to continue devoting more time to the YouTube. Um, the channel's not going to be disappearing or, or shutting down anytime soon. You know, I have no plans on, on stopping the reviews. Um, right now my plan is to to definitely continue on with the uh, the reviews, probably keep keep a focus on what I have now. You know, mostly popular items, um, some frozen food places, some energy drinks, maybe even a local place here and there. Um, one thing that I would like to see with the channel, you know, just recently I, I brought back the uh, the Auto Mind lecture series by by popular demand. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of also focus on other series too. Maybe an, an idle mind lecture here and there. Keep working on the VORW shows. And in terms of any new new series, I've had this idea kind of bouncing around in my mind for about a year now. Is maybe to to one day branch out from just energy drinks that I'm reviewing to regular drinks. You know, different types of sodas. Um, say if if Coke or Pepsi comes out with a new flavor or some promotional item. You know, if there's a new type of, of good old Mountain Dew. Uh, be able to try that out too and review that and just do general drink reviews as well of various beverages. Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think, I think branching out would probably, probably be best, you know, not only for the variety of the channel, but, but also, um, you know, you, you can't just be eating fast food and frozen pizza all the time. You know, you're not going to feel too good if you continue on that. <laughs> yeah, you speak the truth. All right. Uh, I, again, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show, being a guest, answering the questions, being a good sport, and uh, uh, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me. It's really been a pleasure, and, and I enjoyed being here a lot.